Fight! Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. Alright, before we get started today, I'm happy to announce I got our first fight challenge from the podcast in a DM slid into our Instagram account. Just for background, at the end of this podcast, we offer it up if anyone would like to train with either of us to hit us up. Well, I got your DM, Oscar. We're going to make it happen in June, the next time you're in San Diego. Uh, Oscar's trained some jiu-jitsu and he's a wrestler at Concordia University out in Nebraska. And mm. we obviously have to record this too, right? That's, a, that's what I would imagine. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to happen. Yeah, maybe uh, even some people could put some money on it. What do you think you're going to do? You, is it going to be like more grappling based? You guys going to just spar a little bit? What's, that's what's what, funny is... Um, I know he's a wrestler, but whatever he wants to get down, if he wants to, because we boxed and stuff before, if I can recall. Yeah, and of course, I've done jujitsu with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, whatever style of combat he wants to do or mix it up, I'm down for. Maybe best yeah. of three. <laughs> That'd be fun. Maybe it would be nice to do uh, like a four-minute round of boxing, a four-minute round of jujitsu, and like a four-minute round of wrestling, and then a final four-minute round of all of them together. Oh, that'd be crazy. Well, that's four rounds. I can end up in a tie. Yeah, you tie, you both win. You all win. Everyone wins. <laughs> uh, or just do like two and a half. No, a tie is no one wins. That's that's a good philosophical question. Is a tie everybody wins or is a tie nobody wins? I, I, you know, I, I've always um kind of thought that if like, <laughs> if a fight were to go to decision, I'm like, no one wins. They both lose. See, that's not totally true, though, because and this kind of goes into what we're going to talk about today, which is fighting movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't even thinking about I didn't even put this on my list of fighting movies. But at the end of Rocky one, Rocky technically lost decision, but he didn't lose in the eyes of America and the fans, you know. So that's what I mean. Like a tie could be. Oh, a win. yeah. I mean, you can win the fans. Doesn't mean you won. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to. I, sometimes a tie is terrible, but sometimes. If you are the person that's the underdog, then in the end, like, aren't you just happy you tied? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could definitely be proud of your work, win or loss. But yeah, yeah. I just saying with Oscar, I don't plan to lose anything, Oscar. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those are fighting words. But shout out to Oscar. Thanks for reaching out. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's change it up this week. Let's start the conversation with Robert Whitaker. Yes. So uh, I'm glad we chose Robert Whitaker. Uh, Robert Whitaker is actually fighting next week, April 17th. Uh, he's going to be fighting Kelvin Gastelum. And that's a fight that should have happened uh, a few years ago. But uh, Robert mm. Whitaker actually had a freak injury that was discovered the day before the fight where uh, his bowels had actually collapsed. It was like something like a severe hernia and he had to get immediate surgery but so it's going to be relevant since he's fighting and uh, robert whitaker was always a fighter that i admired and i had a feeling that if i did a little bit more research on him that i'd end up admiring him even more right similar to our last fighter breakdown of uh, francis and mm. so to start Robert Whitaker is now 30 years old. He was born in New Zealand, but then raised in Australia. But his mom has Maori and like Samoan heritage. And so he sees himself as representative of both countries, right? Of Australia and New Zealand and South Pacific culture as a whole. If you're familiar with New Zealand and the Maoris, it was like a warlike culture, right? Like to them, 
I mean, I've read stories of the Maori and what they would do to people, like basically pinning them down on the beaches and like cutting them up, like ancient warlike civilization. And if you look at Australia's heritage of, I think the first people there were like prisoners from Great Britain, not counting the Aborigines. It's just a tough culture. And Robert Whitaker growing up in, I guess, like took some of this tough culture heritage with him. And that's what I discovered in some of these interviews. He talks about himself as a family man. He said the person that was most influential to him was his father. And at seven years old, his father got him into karate, Hapkido, mm -hmm. which is an art from uh, Korea, where it's blending like, you know, similar like Taekwondo, but also submissions and locks, a little bit of everything. And he said in a recent interview, why did your father put you into uh, Hapkido karate? And he said it was to protect him because his father figured that eventually he's going to have to take public transportation. And he wanted to make sure that his son, when he does take public transportation, is going to be tough. So he got him into karate. And I think like I loved how, I don't know, just simple that answer was. You know, it wasn't like this thing about like, oh, I want him to have like discipline or honor. Right. It was like you have to defend yourself maybe when you're taking the bus. Right. And I feel like that workman-like thought process is still what Robert Whitaker has. He spoke about also how when he was younger, he was poor. So there's like a new slur or term that I learned called Houso, H-O-U-S-O. And that's what they would call poor people in Australia when they got government housing, right? So you were a Houso. Mm -hmm. And the idea is like you were like lazy or a bum. You just wanted government money and to be taken care of. And I mean, we see that in America when people talk about like welfare, kings and queens, you know, like living off the government dime. And so Robert Whitaker said like when he was younger and kids would be like, oh, you're a house sometimes he'd get into fights, you know, and sometimes he'd have to defend himself. And he never said that like he wanted to fight people or he wanted to be a bully, but he said that would set him off. And he's like, all right, if you want to fight, we'll fight. And he wanted to change the image of him being a house to one of him being more like an athlete and a fighter. And it was something that he was good at. And so he kept pursuing karate. Like 10 years or seven years after he started karate, his father gave him and his brother a choice. Do you want to continue to do this or not? And Robert Whitaker was like, yes, I want to continue to do it. And as he continued to do it, his gym, that was a Hapkido gym, eventually just translated and adapted into an MMA gym. So he was just forced kind of into MMA because the place he was training decided to adapt and then he adapted alongside it. And so he just kept developing and developing his skills that way. And so he was one of these people, not like Francis Ngannou, like picking it up so late. Like he's always been training, you know, since he's seven years old, yeah. always had a chip on his shoulder. And that's why I want to do these fighter breakdowns. I feel like we're going to see so many similarities between these fighters. Or maybe just people in general, right? And like we all have a chip on our shoulder. And yeah, so I think I think part of that becomes like part of who you are as a fighter, not only just like the reason why you might fight, but also maybe how you fight. That mental trauma almost like helps shape you in dealing with the hardships of fighting perhaps better. Yeah. I think uh, I think we, we see that with him. Maybe we all have hardships and they just happen to be fighters. So they're talking about it and we have ways Maybe. to deal with it. That's true. I do think everyone does deal with their fair amount of trauma. I mean, Francis was interesting, but Robert Whitaker, from what I read, it seems like he was mostly raised by a single father. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem like his mom was capable or around as much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't read anything about that, but that makes sense now because he was mentioning his father a lot. And Yeah, so mention. from... 
he always talks about his father. So I have a quote because he, he honors his father every time he comes to the octagon. Apparently, sometimes he gets misinterpreted, which he doesn't mind. But um, yeah, here's his quote. He goes, when I was a kid, I didn't understand how tough that would have been. Referring to his father raising him as a single father. He goes, I was a little shit, to be honest. But looking back retrospectively, I can see that my father sacrificed a lot. He did a lot of things I'm sure he didn't want to do. And he always put us first. So when I walk into the octagon, I always tap my chest. People often see that as me tapping my Southern Cross tattoo. I don't mind it being interpreted like that because I am proud of my country. But the reason I do that is because my father got me that tattoo when I was 18. And I always tap mm -hmm. my chest to show that whether he's in the crowd or in the stands or at home, it's a way for him to know that I'm thinking of him. It's my way to show him that I know he's watching. So beautiful. And, and, and Robert Whitaker is that type of person where he's humble, he's vulnerable, he's honest, and uh, he's not afraid to share like a little bit of who he is. Yeah. And I think maybe, maybe we all kind of have that reflection when we become old enough to either be parents or whether we become a parent. I think we all look back at our parents as like, damn, I was so shitty and I didn't realize. I mean, I can relate to Robert Whitaker in that instance. Mm -hmm. um, and just to, to take it a little bit about athletics, we mm -hmm. forget most of these athletes are young people. You know, he got into the sport at like 18. He's 30 now. And so like there's just a difference between being a 25 year old man and a 30 year old man is significantly different, you know, in your formative years. and coming into money and having so much influence, worldwide recognition. Mm -hmm. It's easy for stuff like that to go to your head and for you to become a bad person and use your past trauma as like a reasoning, like, well, I shouldn't be allowed to do this because of that. Mm -hmm. Where I see like Robert Whitaker's like dives headfirst, like, no, I saw the bad and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I have another quote because he's also a father and I think that probably shaped him quite a bit too. And I think he looks at it as his kids preventing him from being that person. So he wrote, the biggest thing that having kids has taught me as a fighter is that you're really nothing special. When I come home with the world champ belt, my son just looked at me and dragged me to his Lego set. He didn't care about the belt. He didn't care about the fight. He just wanted me to play with his Lego. And that's humbling in a sense that it makes you realize there are lots of people out there that don't like watching fights. They don't care either. You're a nobody to them. It wakes you up a bit. Yeah. And, and that goes with the humility side. One of the things he said that he likes to think about a little bit when he's in the octagon is knowing that in 12 hours after the fight, he's like, oh, I know I'll be gaming and talking to my kids, you know, and like mm -hmm. eating a pie of pizza. And then Tuesday, yeah, like Tuesday, I'll see them. And so, yeah, that goes exactly with what you said. And I like how he uses that because a lot of what he's been talking about with fighting lately is like the mental side. Mm -hmm. And so that he's using that as like a strength. I admire that. Yeah. Appreciates his father. He's becoming a father that he feels is worthy as well. Uh, and I'll definitely give him the props for that too. Uh, as a, I, I kind of feel those things too. So yeah, pretty awesome. And a great husband. He met his wife at 15 years old. You know, mm. he, he speaks about her all the time. I saw in one YouTube video, one of the comments, somebody wrote like, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I know his wife, Sophia, well, and I know Robert, he's private. But the way he talks about her on TV is the way he treats her in real life, you know, and they've been together forever, like half his life, 15 to uh, 30. I know. And I'm just like, how many sweet things are about th this man who is also tough as fuck? Because when they asked him, like, what do you feel about fighting? He's like, no, 
I'm an athlete, right? Like for me, it's like not necessarily I hate the person, mm-hmm. but he also says if this was thousands of years ago, oh yeah, I would definitely be a gladiator. I'd be one of the first people in the front line and I'd probably be dead. Like he sees himself as like this warrior type, but not in an egotistical way in this yeah. way. Like I know that's what I do and I admire that. Yeah, I mean, his first nickname was called the Reaper, and then he later became Bobby Knuckles. Uh, Bobby Knuckles to indicate just how much he would just have stand-up affairs. He's definitely a tough guy. He has seven performance bonuses, four fight of the nights, three performance of the nights. That ain't easy. And what's the craziest thing is he got into freestyle wrestling and became a mm-hmm. national champion for Australia in 2017 at 97 kilos. And then he made it to the Commonwealth Games in 2018. But he had a UFC fight with Yoel Romero that took him out of competing in it. And for our fans that don't know the metric system, 97 kilos is basically 215 pounds, which is his walk around weight. Mm-hmm. At MMA in the UFC, he's fighting at 185. But when he was competing for wrestling, he was a full 30 pounds heavier and getting gold and never lost. Like he could be an Olympian. And that just mm-hmm. gives us another perspective. And an Olympian in wrestling, and as you brought up, while his nickname is also Bobby Knuckles, that he loves standing up, it shows you that he's so well-rounded and he's comfortable yeah. anywhere. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to his fight with Kevin Gastelum. It should be good. Also, uh, Robert Whitaker has one of my most favorite quotes that a mm. fighter has said. Uh, a press person asked Robert Whitaker, you fought Yoel Romero twice. You have to fight Jared Cannonier. You fought Darren Till, Israel Adesanya. Like, you're fighting all these monsters Like, how does it feel to fight monster after monster after monster? And he basically said something along the lines of, you forget, I'm also a monster, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's just like the way we started this fighter breakdown, we just had all these lovely things about Robert Whittaker as a family man, a devoted husband, a devoted father. His first son, his eldest son is autistic. Like, you know, so many... He, oh, another thing about his family demeanor. He also basically is the guardian for his half brother and his half sister. Like he lives oh, yeah. in a house. I've read that. Yeah. It's like a village and it's beautiful. And you see so many celebrities and people that just leave, you know, and like do their own thing. And it's not bad, but you could just see Robert Whitaker's taking the other way of giving back, like being the opposite of like what people called him a house. And I think we look at all those nice things and then we forget, oh yeah, he's also a monster. Like he has yeah. beaten most of those people that he's fought. Like his last loss was Israel Adesanya. And then immediately after that, he took a break for like six months, regrouped, said I didn't love fighting again. And then now he's just been on a tear and he was just honest enough to even recognize he needed to adapt and change. And a lot of fighters that are champions, after they lose, they immediately go like, I need a rematch. Where Robert Whitaker is like, I have to get better and beat up these other people. And like, he didn't look at it as a business thing. Like he looked at it as like a true martial artist. Like I have to keep improving my craft. Yeah, I I love that approach. It's definitely an approach that I don't think most take now. I think most people fear they're going to lose their next fight. So let me get another title shot and more money. And it's more about the guaranteed money than like, let me trust myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think they're scared of what they can lose if they don't get an immediate rematch. But w- shouldn't that speak to Robert Whitaker's confidence in himself and how he knows how disciplined he'll be and that he will get better? Yeah. I think. I wonder how much money has to play into this as well, right? Because you understand like fighters, athletes, they have like limited shelf life. And so, yeah, you want to get like that another guaranteed championship fight where you 
make that money. But maybe like Robert Whitaker, he like said, I was poor. Like I didn't have much. And he's definitely decently well off now. And maybe he just realizes like, why am I going to do something stupid just for an extra buck? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you could also look at like his age coming into play. He's only 30 where, you know, uh, even Adesanya, who we look at as a young kid, is older than Whitaker, you know? So like you understand when older guys make the move, Stipe, DC, all these guys, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And and that another thing, we, we forget Whitaker's somewhat young. He's like aware, like, look, yeah, brain damage does exist, but I love what I do. So I recognize it's a sacrifice. And all of us, all of us martial artists are sacrificing something. He's like, you don't get smashed in the head by these people and wake up exactly normal the next day. Yeah, I think... He just seems like also like the type of person that's going to be a great coach, great commentator. He said he would like to get into media. He's a big gamer. So he's like anything that I could do to combine my passion with payment again would be something great for the future. And yeah, I just like that honesty and sincerity that's coming from him. Uh, He said something when somebody asked him about uh, fighting Israel out of Sanya. How like how would he go about like fighting him and dealing with him again? And basically he was like, after the Costa fight, he's like, yeah, Israel's bloody good. He's like, I don't like him as a person, really, but he's bloody good. And I just like that he admits that, you know, he's just like aware of who he's going to take on. And when they asked him, how would you fight him again? He said, uh, you got to wait for him to come forward. You got to play his game. You can't move in on him. His counter striking is honestly, it's one of the best I've ever seen. You have to take that into consideration, preparing for him. Mm-hmm. And I just love that he's been thinking about and prepare. It's not like just like, I got to fight him because he beat me. I really feel like he's been studying him and analyzing him and maybe focusing on his wrestling. And maybe he saw things that Jan Blakovich did, you know, to nullify. Yeah, hopefully. His- hopefully it doesn't turn into like a Yol Romero. I, yeah, I just feel like Robert Whitaker is smarter. And that, this is where, like, I think some fight intelligence comes. He come did beat Yol twice, so. Yeah, and he did beat Yol twice. Those were absolute wars, like. I loved it, yeah. Whitaker said hitting Yol Romero felt like hitting steel. And, and actually, in one of the Yol Romero fights, he broke his hand in the first round and then so fought an additional 20 minutes with a broken hand. And in another fight, Yol Romero kicked him in the knee. I think, like, he had knee damage and fought the entire fight with mm. a bum. And to be able to do that against Yoel Romero, who's an Olympian and medalist as well, is uh, I think that's what put Robert Whitaker even higher. But I think because those fights were so close, there's also that little bit of disrespect to Robert. That's like, ah, is he that good? You know, like some people felt like Yoel won. And I think this is why we just continue to underestimate him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I never thought Yoel won, but yeah. You never thought Yoel won any no. of those fights? No, I was, I was Robert Whitaker all the way. I mean, yes, they were close fights, but I wouldn't give either one to Yol. Yeah, I thought Yol won the second one based on damage towards the end. But uh, it wasn't a robbery. And yeah, Whitaker deserved the win. And this is again, this goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. They each deserved kind of a win, you know, like they each battle their hearts out. So I like to believe like in the future, if there's like UFC Hall of Fame type stuff, like losses like that shouldn't matter you know what i mean it should be like well i i do think they take that into account i mean actually honestly nowadays it's not even your record it's not even the championship it's how many pay-per-view buys you get yeah you think for the hall of fame too Mm, kind of because how many pay-per-view buys you get is going to give you more and more championship opportunities more and more caliber opponents Mm, great point so like 
it influences that. It won't be like the final say, but I, I do think that. I mean, you can have a guy that goes like 14 and 10, but still make it because he sold over a million every pay-per-view, you know? Yeah, or like BJ Penn, where he did it before and just the end was a terrible right, losing yeah yeah but uh i guess yeah to finish off robert whitaker there was like another quote that i loved about uh his training he says uh my focus the last 10 years uh, has been just to get one percent better here one percent better there if you take that and add it up over seven or eight years we've made massive progress and i just think that's like such a great life lesson that's like useful in business that's like useful in nutrition that's useful you know, in anything you do, just get like 1% better, 1% better. And I think that goes with like his workman-like attitude. And yeah, so like, if our listeners are the types of people that love blue collar people or wholesome people, humble people, you know, like this is, it's impossible not to root for Robert Whitaker, such a good guy. And then we haven't even really talked about his fighting style, which is just, yeah, he goes to war, he strikes, he wrestles like black belt in jujitsu as well. He just gives it his all and every fight seems to be like a scrap. Yeah. Yeah. He's super entertaining, man. Um, if you're a UFC fan, you should definitely be a Robert Whitaker fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll feel a lot more of him with this uh, fight with uh, Gastelum coming up next week. Yeah, I'm pumped for that. And Gastelum makes every fight close and good this is just gonna be a good battle and Whitaker was cool about it because at some point like Whitaker was like I don't know if I should fight Gastelum he's like I was preparing for somebody that was an orthodox fighter now Gastelum's a southpaw right I saw that and then Whitaker's like but you know what I had to pull out of the last fight with him and I kind of owe him one and I just I respect it's just he seems like a good dude type of dude you could have a beer with and get each other yeah yeah I'm all with him I'm a big fan all right speaking of fandom we were thinking of doing movies that had fighting fighting movies if you want to say yeah or just like a C yeah okay and we'll go through yeah, it it like does... three, three movies that maybe like shaped us a little bit of our perspective of fighting or that we love yeah exactly one of my top movies is Fight Club in just a fighting movie. It bases around fighting, but it is a movie that deals a lot with reflecting on the way you live as a consumer and takes a very Zen Buddhist approach to trying to get rid of ideas and material things as a means of identifying who you are. And fighting served as like the most primal way of getting to know who you are as a human. And I really identified that because Fight Club came out and made me reflect on that a little bit. And I had like, you know, I played hockey as a youth, got into fights every game. We talked about this before where, you know, we would break into other people's backyards just to wrestle each other. And as soon as Fight Club came and I, and I had that type of essence relayed to me, uh, it made sense. It definitely reverberated and probably inspired me a large deal to get into martial arts and kind of find out that I'm not made of glass. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely made me realize who I am a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar to you. For me, it wasn't so much the fighting that I loved about Fight Club. It was the philosophy, the whole idea behind consumerism like i have clothes that i still wear from like eighth grade and and that makes me feel good because i'm like oh good i'm still just in awesome shape but it also makes me feel good like why do i need these like it just made me think a little bit differently you know mm-hmm. and seeing like brad pitt and edward norton the way they talked about it i love there's one line in the movie that i love when they look at like a calvin klein model ad on 
like a bust, you know, and they're like, is that what a man is supposed to look like? And yeah, I think the follow up line is like, come to Fight Club, like you're like a roll of dough, you know, like after a month, like you're carved out of wood. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, with Fight Club, it was like male centric, but in like a more emotional sense where it's like, well, what does it mean? What should we be doing? And all of us, I think, have some form of anxiety. And I think all of us have intrusive thoughts. And I think one of the things about Fight Club is when you fight, you are not allowed to think of those thoughts. You don't have a moment because yes. everything becomes yes. instinct or somebody's kind of smashing you. Like you, it's so hard to think about it. And I know like when I've had like breakups or like job issues or money issues, like sometimes I'll go, no, I'm not going to the gym because I want to just dwell. But then the mm-hmm. next day, if I do go to the gym, finally, like that will be the first hour or two hours where I didn't think of that thing mm-hmm. that I did think about for days. And I feel like, yeah, if we did have a club like that, a community like that, and we do now. We do. This yeah. <laughs> this is why we're pushing people to go to like a BJJ school or Muay Thai school or box. Like, you know, you get like that camaraderie, like yes. you hit each other. And then you kind of love each other a little bit after you hit each other. Yeah, I mean, Fight Club was, it came out during, you know, a time for us as, you know, we're becoming adults uh, in high school, college at times where you try to find purpose in your life. And uh, Fight Club is like a, a huge intervention. I mean, if you've seen Fight Club, you know, it turns this world upside down and changes this perspective on what does it mean to have purpose in your life and what is your purpose. Uh, it, it's pretty good. If you haven't seen it, of course, you should see it. But yeah, Fight Club is definitely a top pick for me. That is the perfect, I think, fight movie that encapsulates like some like how I feel about fighting a bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to just pick a scene from a movie. And this is a movie that I also love. I feel like this scene, I like the way it was done. It was in Goodwill Hunting. Ooh, okay. So- I love like Goodwill Hunting. It's like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They're like townies that grew up on the south, south side of Boston. But Matt Damon is like this brilliant also savant, you know? And so it's kind of like his battle between being like a street kid, kind of like with his crew and like also embracing all his talents. And there was one scene where there was just kind of like this gang fight, like him and his four friends versus this kid that used to pick on him. And his group of friends. And it just was like so raw. I wasn't expecting a fight scene in that movie. You know, it was just like mm-hmm. kind of like a drama. And it just happened. And the movie wasn't about fighting or anything. But, yeah, you know, there is like there was like a little bit of brutality, like how like Matt Damon was just like pounding on this kid's face consistently. Like, yeah, he goes to jail for like, it. Yeah. yeah, he goes he goes to jail for it. One of his friends was like, I'm not fighting. I don't want to fight. And then the other friend was like, if you don't fight after we fight these kids, we're going to fuck you up. And there was just like so much going on in that quick scene. But it's like, yeah, you know, this is what happens. We talked about Robert Whitaker's father was like, you know, train people pick on you. Like mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen with cops. And I feel like I just love the way that scene was shot. I thought it was like beautiful. It was like kind of brutal. You saw that was when he wasn't in a healthy place and you saw him take it out on this person. And God forbid someone's in a not healthy place and about to take something out on you. I feel like it should be like, no, always be prepared. And I don't know. That scene always stuck with me. It's just like a good fight scene. I might even argue that's my favorite movie of all time. Good surprise. A great pick. Okay. Yeah. And and how did you feel about the fight scene itself? Like, did you think it was like somewhat realistic? Did you see like there's like a little chaos, but I don't know. What did you Um, think of the actual fights? I would say kind of. I mean, no, no fight scenes in movies are very realistic. But I would say like what helps it 
is the shots kept changing and that it was a surprise fight. Like he kind of like, like, Hey, what's up? And ran up and just punched him basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's exactly. one of those things that yeah, can totally play out like that. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So I'll pick another movie. Blood sport. <laughs> Wonderful. I love blood sport. I love 80s, 90s cheese. And Bloodsport was kind of like, this is before MMA, where it was like the allure of like, basically no rules tournament that happens underground, you know, like this is like the precept to UFC to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a great movie. It's just so many iconic fight scenes and characters. You know, if I'm miming that my eyes are blind and I'm looking around and my hands are going all over. People know exactly what that scene is from if they've seen the movie. Over the age of 30, you better have seen Bloodsport. Yes. I, and I just want to add, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen other movies that have stolen from Bloodsport. So you've, yeah. you've, see, you've seen it in a way. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's grandfathered into like movie history. And we all love Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I, I love it. That's always going to be my favorite. That's always one of those movies, too, where if it's on TV, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm stopping here. I'm watching this. <laughs> yeah, did, for sure. Did you root for Jean-Claude Van Damme or were you rooting for the bad guy? Oh, that's a good question because you know I love to root for the bad guy. But in this <laughs> case, I was rooting for Jean-Claude. Oh, it's so amazing. He's blind. It's like, now that I think, yeah. So He's good, yeah. Epic movie. It reminds me of childhood too. Like we were, because I think it also matters when we watch these movies. And what were we probably yeah. like eight, nine, 10, 11, when you're like practicing karate in your house? Like I found a picture right. of me the other day of when I'm six years old and doing like the karate hands and like a kick. And it's just like, it's like instinctual, you know? And who knows how many people that movie inspired or taught to be like, yeah, let me take a karate class. For sure. Definitely a favorite of mine, for sure. What else you got? Beautiful pick. Um, I have uh, The Matrix. Ooh. And so I wasn't sure if I wanted to pick The Matrix or not. Okay. But I figured since you were going to probably pick Fight Club, like I also wanted to pick something that was philosophical. Yes. Now, the reason I like Matrix as a fight movie is when he's sitting in the chair and they're like, all right, what do you want to learn? Kung Fu? And they just like zapped it into your brain. Yep. Immediate I download. Like, yeah. I feel like, and I feel like that was one of the first times I realized like, oh, all these arts are kind of different. You know what I mean? Like, mm. oh, you can learn math. You can learn chemistry. You can learn like uh, physics. You know, they're all different. Mm. And sometimes I think I grouped fighting as like fighting. And I just liked how it was like, oh, Kung Fu, you know, like, and then I just made me think like, oh, you could do wrestling. Oh, and it's just like, that's what MMA is kind of like, what are these levels? Yeah. I mean, it's great for that. Matrix has, especially if you're talking about as a series, has so many cool fight scenes. And it's theatrical. It's beautiful. They made it like elegant. Like, obviously, it's not like a realistic fight, like where I picked like Good oh, Will Hunting. But it's brilliant for what it is, right? Because they're fighting in like this computer matrix. So what becomes possible is, yes. you know, you can do almost an infinite amount of things. So the fact that they have that kind of rule in there allows them to play around and be as artful and dramatic and crazy as can be. And it makes for great entertainment for sure. I love the way you just phrased that. Yeah, yeah, you just said exactly what was in my mind. And part of the thing with Matrix is just believing. And I part, and even though they know that it's a fake world, some of them believe more than the others, which is what makes Neo Neo. Yes. And I think that's like also a little bit about fighting. Like, do you believe you're going to win? You know, right. and, I, and, and I just like love that aspect of it. And yeah, it was just like, 
some people called it like ballet fighting. And I just think it was like from the dojo scene where it's like Morpheus and Neo to just like him actually fighting Agent Smith. It's just all these unique different battles and him just growing as like a fighter and a savior. And so, yeah, Matrix, I think, was just like beautiful and well done and philosophical, like the sci fi edge of what Fight Club is more realistic. For sure. Damn, you know what? I haven't seen The Matrix in a long time, too. It's time I rewatched that. Mm -hmm. I didn't love like the second and third ones, but like the first one alone by itself is just like an absolute masterpiece and like unique art. Everything now, I think if you look at like the top movies of the last like two years, if you look at the top 40, like 36 are remakes or sequels. Like oh, nobody's wow. making like an original yeah. movie. Matrix was like an original. Well, it's funny about the Matrix is Keanu Reeves now has the John Wick series. And he's like in a whole nother series, like beating people's asses again, like Invincible. All right. So you pick the Matrix. Oh, so now my turn. So this is your last movie, right? Your third? Okay, yeah. Three. I mean, so I had a couple of close calls. Maybe I'll talk about them after. Yeah, we'll but... talk about close calls after, definitely, because okay. I have more too. <laughs> but my next one is another homage to the past and kind of like shaped me into motivating my training. And that's, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's the original Rocky. Good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, perfect. It's like the every man's story of like professional boxer, but it was not very good how if he really committed if he really knew what he wanted to be and tested himself uh that he could be that he could be great in fact i i I love the movie although i have rewatched it recently in the last couple of years and its value is starting to go away because of how creepy him and adrian are (laughs) really if you haven't seen rocky in a while go watch it it's kind of uncomfortable (laughs) adrian was like a little bit slow right no, it's Rocky is like a real big creep. Really? He basically just, yeah, he just basically breaks down her will. Okay, so <laughs> the the thing you love about Rocky is his absolute commitment, how much you can keep pressing forward. Well, he was the same thing like this with a girl that didn't want anything to do with him. Mm. And so he basically, how he beat Apollo Creed is basically how he beat Adrian. But the problem is you shouldn't have to beat her to get it. And when he's saying beat, guys, he didn't beat Adrian physically. Okay, yeah. I didn't mean physically beat. I mean, like, yeah, to win. Like, it. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's a weird watch it and tell me um, how much she says no and how much he just doesn't listen to it at all. Like, no, 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 no. And he's like literally like putting himself on her and stuff. It's It, it gets a little weird. Watching it with yeah. today's lens is definitely different. And the movie came out in the 70s. We forget because Stallone yeah. is more jacked now than he was then. Yeah. And, and so, but yeah, it came out in the 70s. But for a fight movie, one of the things that I loved about that movie was, you know, Rocky gets the chance just because they want to set up a quick, easy win for Apollo Creed, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit like great white hype, like beat up the Italian stallion, you know, like it'll be a quick win in Philly. And Rocky takes it, obviously, because he needs money. Like he didn't want to work for this bookie anymore, like, you know, beating people up for funds. And then in like a moment of vulnerability, he goes like, I just don't want to like lose, like get embarrassed, like get knocked out. And like, it wasn't even like he was thinking about winning. He was just thinking like, I can't like die in the ring or get embarrassed. And 
yeah, I guess you could tell, like, I have a theme where I like these people that are, like, vulnerable and authentic. Yeah, I think everyone does have some vulnerability. What I love about Rock, just, like, the training montage, like, even oh. if you watch, like, the Rocky Four training montage, how pumped do you get? The greatest. My sister, theme songs. like, literally ran out of the house once when we watched, like, Rock. She's like, I gotta run. <laughs> like, everyone just... I'm saying. Had- yeah. Hell yeah. Rocky is amazing. Yeah, dude. Like, talk about motivation. All, all those theme songs. Even still, you know, when those songs come up on playlists, I'm all in. I'm like, I'm Rocky at that moment. It, it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How many people did that movie, like, influence to even just, like, run a little bit? It's, like, for sure. interesting. Or thing about try or... boxing. Yeah, for sure. Try boxing. Definitely a whole bunch of Italian kids were like, I can be like Rocky and like started yeah. in Staten Island just being like, yo, that's me. It's just in my blood. And it's like, yo, run, bro. The Don't. Italian stallion, man. The Italian stallion is the greatest nickname to Rocky. Good guy. Trying to be a good guy. He had an awesome coach. Dumb too. Mickey was an awesome coach. He is also like what you imagine a little bit of a coach to be like mean, tough, gritty, yes. like telling you. I mean, some of his quotes I still use as a coach myself. He's like, get up, you son of a bitch. I love that. Yeah. And then uh, I also love that like I forget what at what movie this might be. Rocky's like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, he's like, we'll do it tomorrow. And Mick goes, there is no tomorrow. And <laughs> I, I love that when people are like, oh, tomorrow. I'm like, there is no tomorrow. That's a great way to remind you there is only now. It's amazing. Yeah, it can be empowering. I love Mickey. Rocky, I love it. All right. Yep. Um, I guess I'll go. Yes, sir. I'm going to my final movie is not like a super well-known movie, but you should all watch it, which is why I partially picked it. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle. Ooh, okay. Are you familiar with that movie? Have you seen it? I'm familiar, but I haven't seen it. So I love Kung Fu Hustle. It's a foreign movie, but it's a modern movie on Mm -hmm. the Kung Fu genre. So it's a little bit cheesy. But it's also so well written and filmed. And it's about like rural China and like a poor town. But then you realize like there's gangs like doing damage. And there are regular people amongst the crowds of people that are getting abused by these gangs that are these like also kung fu masters and sometimes they don't want to show people their kung fu masters because then the gangs will attack their friends and family Uh. and it is a little bit like spider-man-ish you know where it's like with like honor and responsibility and but also like tied in with like a little bit of people wanting to achieve and make it so they're like i'll join the gang and just the fight scenes are so beautiful, similar to Matrix, but it is like Kung Fu. And it is like about like this honor and it's like, oh, he knows the frog art and he knows like the Buddhist palm. And it's just like, yeah, but like there's nothing. Okay, so you seem very guilty in taking pl- that pleasure, but a little bit. All, I but mean, I love it. Yeah, you have to suspend your disbelief. I mean, you're talking to a pro wrestling fan, right? Like suspension of disbelief, <laughs> we can all do. Uh, we do it for movies, no problem. But like, yeah, it's funny where people do draw their lines. Like, oh, they, that's ridiculous, and I'm like, yo, it's all ridiculous. Exactly. And in the movie, you know, there's like some dancing. It's like over the top like musical ish like parts yeah but i I, I just put it as like oh that's like its own universe you know what i mean yes exactly we're not gonna watch like the marvel cinematic universe and be like oh that's impossible yeah no duh you know good point good point yeah and and one thing that made me love the movie even more i feel like i was uh 
I feel like I was the head of the curve a little bit. Like 10 years after the movie came out, I was reading some GQ interview with Bill Murray. And they were just like asking Bill Murray questions like this, this, this. And then like they asked him like, so like, what's what's a movie that you love? Like, what's something that you appreciate? And he goes, Kung Fu Hustle was the best movie made in the last 10 years. Wow. And and like when when he said it with that much authority, I was like, yeah, there's a reason I knew I loved it. Like, you know, there was something deeper. It's like the type of movie like a little kid could love. My girlfriend loved it, you know, and she doesn't really love action fighting movies. It's just like the type of movie that has a lot to it. And I think, yeah, there's like a nostalgia factor. There's so many different factors, but like the fighting, there's some parts that are brutal, but then some parts like the Matrix that are just like elegant and beautiful. Okay. And it's just like fun seeing how it plays out. Uh, an endorsement by you and also Bull Murray is definitely a must see. Yeah, I think you and Darlene would love it. I, I really love funny, that movie. Funny fact is when I was a little kid, uh, I remember like the first time someone asked me who my favorite actor was, I said Bill Murray. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. This is like Bill Murray's like one of his picks. I'm definitely going to see it. Awesome. I'm glad I'm walking away with this with something to put on my list now, too. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Do you want to do Do you want to like list off some of the ones that you were close to picking? Sure. Yeah. All right. I'll start with one. Great White Hype. Yes. That's it. You, you are the one that brought me to that movie. Oh, yeah. It is a comedy movie. It's not well known. It's got Damon Wayans in it. I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's still great. I've seen it not that long ago. Yeah, that, that, that's a love. It, it, it's a funny. It's a fighting movie, but it is. It's about a black boxer trying to get uh, another fight. So they book him against the only amateur that ever beat him. This guy was undefeated in the pros, this black boxer. So they found an amateur boxer that beat him that was white. And so that they would build this fight to be, you know, white people versus black people. So they called it the great white hype. It is great. It is funny. Yeah, I love it. Damon Wayans is the black guy. So many hilarious quotes. And, you know, it is relevant, you know, to this day. Like, I think there is like we still a, do a subtle, a yep. subtle racial quality. Like, you know, who's going to win? Is it like this big dude, the small dude? And like yeah. in great white hype, they just use it to make money, which is what Dana White would do. Don King does like mm-hmm. It's not like racist. They just are hilarious with how they talk about what's going on. And it's still yeah. relevant. Yeah, they, they do it as like a satire on how Don King build fights and stuff, how ridiculous things got. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie to watch for sure. The white guy in the movie, they make his nickname Irish, whatever his name is. And then he's like, oh, yeah. I'm not Irish. And he goes, that just means you're white. <laughs> it's just like yep. so well done. So... <laughs> Anytime I'd see like uh, any of like the Irish fighters in the UFC, I always think that I'm like, they're not really like, they're yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, all right, great one. I was thinking I was going to put Eastern Promises. Oh, I don't know that one. Eastern Promises, like Vigo Morton. It's like a great Russian mafia gangster movie. Oh, okay. And, and th- there's a scene where he, like Vigo Morton is in like a banya, which is like a Russian sauna. It's like huge. Yeah, he's like naked and like these two mafioso dudes like attack him. And it's just this fight where they're just like naked in this like sauna. (laughs) But it was like so terrifying and so scary and brutal. And it's like he's fighting for his life. And I guess my theme of this week is like vulnerability. Like you're naked, you know, it's just like you have nothing. And that fight scene I just remember was incredibly brutal. And I think like out of all the mafia type people that I'm scared of, I think it's like the Russians that I'm like the most scared of. 
Okay. So I just, I just feel like it's like, oh, you watch that movie and it's like, yeah, I got to train. I got to like learn how to defend myself. God forbid. Mm, Eastern promises. All right. I'm going to add that to my list too. Well, maybe. I'm not sure if I, <laughs> I guess I got to get in that mood though. Eastern promises is a good movie. It's okay. like a creep. I think Naomi Watts is in it as well. I think it did okay. well in Rotten Tomatoes. But I just remember the, like that fight scene was like one of the craziest fight scenes I've seen. But, but I think that was like one of my ones. I was like thinking like maybe. Yeah, that's, that's still that. big. I was also thinking um, I liked the movie Hero with Jet Li. Ah. I just remember the premise being, you know, he's, he's trying to learn this like ultimate finishing maneuver so that he mm. can like defeat the king who's oppressing, you know, all of China. And then he does all this build up, finally learns the move, finally gets this like nothing can stop it, meets the king only to realize the king is uniting all of China. And yet he himself is now the villain. And this was like before Dark Knight where you're like, oh, yeah, you're only the hero long enough to become the villain and stuff. And it was just the first Mm. of like, oh, you just it was one of those, you know, just moral perspective. Great movie. You're right. Yeah. He was taking over dynasty after dynasty to unite all of China. I thought you were talking about one of these like cheesy Jet Li DMX or Jet Li Steven Seagal movies. No, this was like nominated for an Oscar. It was like a masterpiece. It was like, yeah, it was, it was way like I was just going in it just to watch like, you know, just some martial arts, like thrash a movie. But yeah, I ended up watching like, oh no, this is a good movie. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. I like, I like the movies we picked today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if anybody has any other fight movies or movies with fight scenes that are like valuable that you think we should watch, like, please recommend them. We're just big movie buffs in general, not even just about fighting. But yeah, those were ones that like appealed. Fight Club is, I think, just like, yeah, changed our lives a little bit. For sure. Yeah. I actually got recently, Darlene and I got into an MMA TV show. It was called Kingdom. It's on Netflix. That's uh, an MMA show? Yeah, it was It was on MMA. It's three seasons. Um, and it was good. I, I liked it. It was, you know, it wasn't great. Think of it almost like it had like a Sons of Anarchy. Okay. But it was based around MMA. And they did a good job because there's MMA fighters like Cub Swanson's in it. Joe Stevenson is in it. They have like all these really? MMA fighters. Uh, who's the who's the father? I forget his name. He plays, uh, what's his name? He's an older guy. But yeah, it, it's pretty good. Darlene and I got really into it. And it was, I think, just three seasons. Yeah. Hey, give it a go. It, it's kind of, I, I liked it. All right. All right. We'll check it out. Yeah. I think uh, one of the Jonas Brothers is in it, but he does a good job. <laughs> Is there a line of too much violence and what is it? Oh, dude. So this is a good question because and I I almost didn't want to bring this up. So I've been like looking at a lot of street fights lately and okay. I like the street fights that are honest, you know, and like a winner, loser, some rules, you know, you're not trying to murder the person. Yeah. But I did see a street fight yesterday where the person was trying to murder somebody. And then it made me like, I had trouble sleeping a little bit. Uh, and I was like, sucks. I was like, why okay, well, did I watch this? In movies though, do you feel like, are there ever like scenes where you're like, ah, oh, this is too much. And it like turns the movie off for you because a lot of people do have that experiences. I'm interested in where that line is for people. So American history X, when Ed Norton's character Ooh. makes the kid bite the curb, I can't watch that. I've never seen that, but I've seen the movie twice. Oh, really? I I love the movie, but I can't even watch him put his teeth on it. Even if they don't show it on TV, once I see the teeth are on the curb, like I know what's going to happen. And then I also think, oh, that has happened before because they're not just filming something off the top of the heads that they never did. You know, like this is some truth that's somewhere. If somebody imagines something, 
than it probably has happened. And yeah. so like sometimes I'm like, that's so brutal. I don't know. I like that's why I like Robert Whitaker. I like fighting. Okay. Fighting could be fun. But so, like so sometimes the brutality scares me. Yeah. So here's the follow up question is anytime someone's like, oh, this is too violent for me. And I don't mean to insinuate that it's not too violent for me. I have my own lines, but it's all di- being dictated by is this necessary as a scene to show how how significant it is to the plot, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, if you're being egregious, like you're a horror movie at that point, right? Like a horror movie is just like slash slash killing gore, like all this stuff for the sake of it. Is it necessary to advance the plot? No. Right. So that's why people are like, I don't like horror. Or they might say something Mm -hmm. along those lines. When people watch films or even like you could take American History X, is that scene necessary? I think it is. And yes, while it is awfully brutal. It like, is it's also like awfully appropriate for the message. Yeah. When I said I saw something about somebody dying, that was a real thing I saw. Right, so if it was in right, a movie, I wouldn't mind. Right. This was like one of those like underground street fight videos that were done. Right. And it was done. And it was like a neo-Nazi that was already in jail for murder versus another dude. And the other dude like basically kills the neo-Nazi. And then everyone was like, I don't feel bad. And I'm like, how do you not feel bad though when you see like, you know what I mean? Oh, gosh, and it, yeah. it, it just changed my perspective a little bit of fighting anyway, where I was like, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, but regardless, like- what you're saying in terms of like movies, yeah, it has to be part of the plot. If it's part of the plot, then, yeah, no matter how brutal it is, there's a reason behind it. I right. just don't want it to be like extra. Right. I, I've always I've always kind of gotten annoyed. I think a lot of movies use rape scenes to kind of pull emotion out of the viewer. Yes but I don't think it's necessary for the point of the plot. You know what I mean? And I'm like, ah, oh, you shouldn't do that. But like other things, like I know you get skeeved out by like, like an arm bar, like an elbow breaking. Yeah. Like, let's say you have a movie where a guy just takes the arm and just breaks it yeah, over Seagal. his shoulder. Right. Seagal exactly. I mean, it's a Steven Seagal movie. You're like, oh, that's too much. But again, it doesn't advance the plot of the movie. It didn't need to be. Yeah. It could have done that. So it's it's just interesting. We all kind of draw these arbitrary lines. But yeah, I I do find it interesting when people are like, oh, that's too violent. Even the regular street fights in real life, a lot of people are like, oh, that's too violent. And I think the more we train and know about fighting, like sometimes like, oh, good. He defended himself or he did that. And like, so like sometimes it used to give me out more than it does now. Right. But, but I, I, I need to feel like a little bit. It was like a sport or they're going to get along. Like I want to, be- I do believe like a lot of fights do lead to like a decent positive ending. I don't know if I'm like dumb for saying that, but I feel like something came out of it. They're like uh, maybe a healthy respect amongst each other something yeah i'd like I, to I just, believe that too i mean uh, i mean data would be better to equip that decision making but yeah i'd like i'd like to believe that i have one more question about martial arts movies or just fighting movies do you have a favorite either martial artist or actor for a fighting movie like if they're like if you have some type of fighting movie who do you want for the job of that lead role Mm, who do I see as a dope fighter? All right. I don't right, want to pick. So you could look at it like maybe not even as fighting. Like you could look, pick Sylvester Stallone or Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or you can go By like the way, Bruce Lee. In, or you could like, you know, you could do all these different ways. In this conversation, I also realized another fighting movie that I absolutely love. And that I okay. kind of wish I, I said now, Snatch. It's oh, like another yeah. Brad Pitt movie. Yeah. Like just the gypsy boxer. 
And I think like even Conor McGregor took a little bit of that like gypsy boxer like energy, you know, yes. with like the killer hand. And that is such a great movie. Uh, I think Brad Pitt does play like a great fighter. Like just if, if you're going to say that now, like since you brought that up. Okay, yeah, Brad Pitt. I okay. like like the Brad Pitt, like, and obviously I'm projecting, but like skinny ripped, like strong, <laughs> like, you know, like that has power. Uh-huh. That could like take out anybody with some magic hands. Like I okay. think I think he plays it kind of well. Like he could be like a little gruff and rough. Like that was like the first thing that came to mind. Brad Pitt's a great actor in that sense, like where he was able to play Tyler Durden and that guy, like both also amazing. his scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that what it was? Yeah, scene where he fought Bruce Lee. Yeah, and I was thinking about the end scene, which was also brilliant. Oh, that and too. Yeah, fun. I was just thinking about his scene with Bruce Lee, but yeah, the end of that movie too as well. How he <laughs> actually there's a, yeah. there's another one too. Brad Pitt had an old movie where he was growing up in Montana. And we were talking about this, like street fights and being tough and like surviving in Montana, too. So, yeah, I think I would go with like a Brad Pitt. I didn't want to pick like the transporter dude or anything like right. like a little annoying. Right. But yeah, I think like Brad Pitt. I also I think... thought about Green Street Hooligans. I, 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 this is yes. like football clubs fighting and stuff. I'm like, oh, that was interesting. Yeah. See, that's um, the type of movie, though, that makes me feel like a little nervous about the brutality because I'm like. You're bringing chains and bats and crowbar. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. if I had a baseball bat, like I'm, I, I'm sure I could murder somebody with a swing. Like, how are more people not getting murdered? Yeah, if like people have baseball bats and chains, like uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a promoter of fighting, but it's all hand to hand. I, I don't like anything with weapons. Yeah, I get nervous about that shit. All right, I also. So if I had to pick an actor or actress to be in my fighting movie, I pick Jackie Chan. Okay. I'm I like so much diversity. He could be funny. He could be serious. He's super talented. His stunts are insane. That guy has so much skill. And yeah, I just his diversity alone would be like, he's perfect. He seems like a fun dude to hang out around with. And yeah. like, yeah, Jackie Chan. Dude, All if right. I'm bored, if I'm bored, I'll always just throw on the video of a uh, top, top jackie chan stunts and just watch it on youtube really yeah dude this especially like there's a lot of stuff in film that i don't think people have seen i think people think jackie chan they just think like rush hour but some of his lesser known movies before maybe he came to american stuff if you see some of the stuff he did as like stunts like just jumping off buildings and just like land like just insane stuff man it's really impressive i even saw recently like some fan miming like they were gonna come at him with like a knife or something and the way he just moved disarmed him and had the knife back at him was so impressive and the guy was stunned <laughs> i just loved it i'm like yo he still got it i love this freaking dude All right, that's all we have in store for today. Thanks for joining us on Robert Whittaker and our top fighting movies. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.